This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Unforgiveness is one of the battlegrounds that Satan uses to tempt us. There's no such thing as forgive and forget because the people that are closest to us are the people who can hurt us the worst. The question is not whether or not we've totally forgiven. The question is, are we living in a state of emotional peace? Dear young married couple, if you're dealing with unforgiveness or wondering, have I really forgiven? This episode is for you. We had the privilege of interviewing Dr. Ron Ramsey. He's a marriage and family therapist and a clinical chaplain, and he approaches forgiveness in a very profound and spiritual way, yet very practical. There are six steps that he outlines, and he walks us through those six steps in this episode. So listen in and be inspired and then take action. Welcome, Dr. Ramsey, to the podcast. We're thankful to have you on today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for reaching out. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, deal with the topic of forgiveness and unforgiveness quite a bit in our practice with couples and individuals. Mm -hmm. And uh, we haven't had a whole lot on our show about forgiveness. Not a whole show on forgiveness. Right. Which I think it's huge in life. I mean, you can't, you can't have a good life without having to forgive a whole bunch yourself and other people. And mm-hmm. yeah. so talk to us a little bit, um, Ron, about uh, maybe what forgiveness is and maybe how people get confused about what, what it is. Well, forgiveness um, is a response to unforgiveness. Mm. And unforgiveness and the bottom line of unforgiveness is it's a is it's a, when our mind goes into a state of rumination about something that's happened to us, mm-hmm. and we get stuck thinking about what somebody's done that's unfair or unjust, and to the point where we begin to develop negative intentions, uh, things that if we could, we may not act on them, but if we could, we mm-hmm. might intend to do something to get even, to yeah. get back at someone, to teach them a lesson. And before you know it, what happened to us starts taking on a narrative. Mm. And the narrative grows and takes on a life of its own. And then we start telling the story to other people and and so on and so forth. So unforgiveness is, is where we get stuck in a narrative. Yeah. And that narrative makes us want to get even in some way, wants us, encourages us to be bitter. Another way to look at it from a Christian perspective is that unforgiveness is one of the battlegrounds that Satan uses to tempt us. 
Yeah. It's pretty clear that um, from not just Christ, but from, from other writings in the New Testament, that forgiveness is a key part of our Christian walk. Yeah. And if Satan could get us to be unforgiving, then he's won the battle. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that narrative is what keeps us stuck in Satan's grip. Yeah, man, that brings back when when Jesus says, you know, when you have hate in your heart, you've committed murder, and it seems like that's very much unforgiveness. I'm looking at someone and creating this narrative, mm-hmm. and the reason why maybe some people don't commit murder is they don't have an opportunity and they can't get away with it. Mm. Right. That's why I call it negative intentions because we may have an intention to harm somebody else and we never act on it. But that intention gets us locked up in our own thoughts. Right. Yeah. So if somebody's listening and they're like, oh, okay, so that's what forgiveness is. That's what unforgiveness is. How do I know if I've really forgiven someone? Maybe it's been years since something happened and they're questioning, have I really forgiven? What would you say to that person? Well, of course, as Christians, we look to the Bible for our examples. But unfortunately, there are no examples in the Bible of interpersonal forgiveness. Wow. I've never thought about that. That usually shocks people when I say that. But Jesus told two stories about forgiveness, interpersonal forgiveness. Okay. But that's not the same as an actual example. In fact, there is no example of Christ forgiving somebody for an infraction against him. Just forgiving sin, but that's different. Right. Right, That's different. That's Uh not... That's not doing something to transgress Christ personally. Yeah. And there's a lot of instruction about like forgive 70 times, seven times a day, but there's not an example of what did that look like? How do I know? Right. So what we're we're told in a number of places in Ephesians and and John and Colossians, we're told uh, to forgive as we've been forgiven. Mm. So one way that we know we've forgiven someone else is when we've demonstrated the same kind of forgiveness that Christ has demonstrated towards us. Mm. And that takes knowing who Christ is and having him living in your heart. Mm. And that's really kind of the core of the process for forgiveness is spiritual maturity. Mm. Prayer, prayer, meditation, fellowship, and uh, scripture study. Yeah. Mm. Wow. What would you say, just kind of running through the database in my head here, (laughs) Because that you got me. I was like, okay, <laughs> thinking about the forgiveness thing. What about when Jesus said, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, and he's hanging on the on the cross. Would, would, is the reason why you're saying that's not forgiveness is because he's not extending forgiveness to those people, but he's right. asking the Lord right. to forgive them? He's asking God to forgive them. And, and in 40 days to forgiveness, that's one of the things I talk about, is that there are times when we just look sim- simply cannot forgive somebody for some heinous infraction, mm-hmm. but God is there to forgive them for us. Yeah. And um, in the book, Hiding Place, uh, the story of Corey Ten Boom, she tells a story about a guard that she ran into when she was giving a presentation somewhere, mm-hmm. a, a Christian witness. And he came up to her after her presentation and asked her to forgive him. And she couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. But she asked God to, and he released her in that moment. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful example. I love that. Wow. So for people trying to, maybe they've had something difficult happen to them and they want to get this, uh, you know, this off their shoulders, what would you start walking them through in order to help them forgive? Yeah, you have six steps. Tell us what your first step is. Yeah, I would preface that by saying that it's common for people to think that forgiveness is a feeling. Mm. Yes, talk about that. <laughs> you know, um, I'll feel better whenever you come to me and ask, make an apology, or mm. I'll feel better whenever I accept that I just need to move on. I just need to accept that this is the way it is, and I need to move on. And those are all feeling examples of trying to feel different. And our feelings may reduce our unforgiveness but they don't bring the emotional peace that comes from actually forgiving. Huh. So wow. I believe that when we try to feel our way into acting better, it's a lot more difficult than when we try to act our way into feeling differently. Mm-hmm. So you could say that again. Yeah. <laughs> so I came up with the acronym action. Okay. For the steps in the forgiveness process. And the first letter stands for acknowledging the hurt that's happened to you, which obviously you know that something happened to you, but that's not the same as really acknowledging it at a deeper level, thinking about what has happened to me and how is it affecting me? How is it affecting my feelings? How is it affecting the story that I'm telling myself? How is it affecting how I'm treating other people? So acknowledging what's happened and how it's affecting me is the first step in launching out on a forgiveness journey. Mm -hmm. The second step is commitment. Pretty much all the research that's been done in the behavioral sciences have shown that unless a person makes a decision, a commitment to try to forgive, they won't be able to forgive. Mm -hmm. The commitment comes first, not a commitment to forgive, but a commitment to try to forgive. Ah, why the distinction there? Because if I think I'm committing to forgive and I'm pretty early on in this process, I'm going to, I'm just going to give up Yeah. because I'm not ready to forgive. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a series of steps and it's going to take time for me to actually feel like I'm moving towards forgiveness. Yes. So we would just experience despair. But to commit to try to forgive means that I can work at it, Mm -hmm. that I can try in my heart and I can try in my mind Mm -hmm. and that it's going to be a journey. Yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful. I was just thinking, because you brought up Corey Ten Boom and her really like how amazing you know, this person was to hide people and, and then be betrayed and, and be in a Nazi camp mm-hmm. and then gets out and really commits her life to helping people learn about the forgiveness of God. Mm-hmm. But if she didn't go through that discovery process of what that was like, she would never have been able, well, I say never, we don't know, but forgiving that guard been probably near impossible for her yeah even even with all the work she had done before getting to that point 
Mm-hmm. You know, like it still was almost not enough and God had to really step in and help her with that. Yeah. So it's like a, it's a massive project sometimes just to get to that commitment part of I'm just going to try yeah. and God's grace will be sufficient to, to carry you through to the next step. Mm-hmm. Question for you, Ron. Um, why do you place the acknowledgement first and the commitment to try to forgive second? Well, if we don't acknowledge what's happened to us and we don't acknowledge the effect that it's having on us, why would we make a commitment to try to forgive? Thank you for saying that. It's interesting. I have I have so many clients who are trying to work through forgiveness. And when I, when I tell them that the first step is to actually acknowledge the pain and anger and allow themselves to feel disrespected, they're like flabbergasted. They're like, isn't this the opposite of forgiveness? And it's, it's not. bringing it all back up it's, again. Yeah, but it's allowing you to actually come to the conclusion that you're ready to start the process. Right. If, if you don't even know what happened or acknowledge what it did to you, then why would you start the process? It's sort of like going on a journey and acknowledging is packing your bags. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Mm. And then once you actually go get in the vehicle or go take those first few, you know, footsteps toward the destination, that's the commitment to try. Right. Mm-hmm. And it is a journey. That's why this book is called 40 Days to Forgiveness, because I don't think anybody's going to sit down and do it in 40 consecutive days and wouldn't expect somebody to. I'm not sure that would be productive. But the concept is that I've broken it into 40 modules, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. so that you can work at it in bite-sized chunks. Okay. And by committing to try to forgive, what you're committing to is to take the journey of the bite-sized chunks. Mm, that's good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when someone hears 40 days, well, on the one hand, it's like, oh, all my life I've been in this state of unforgiveness. I could definitely do 40 days if I if everything's gonna be so much better. But on the other hand, if they think of the action that's involved in those 40 days, that's a pretty big commitment to to try to you know accomplish that yeah it makes me think of when we tried to put a puzzle together with our daughter over the holidays okay she just has this knack for picking up a piece and saying oh that goes here but i look at the pieces and i cannot figure out (laughs) (laughs) i'm not a puzzle person spatial reasoning isn't your forte (laughs) it's not in puzzles (laughs) <laughs> that's kind of how the forgiveness journey is. It's like uh-huh. puzzle pieces. You put one piece down and then, then you find the next piece. Yeah. And then you put that down and you find the next piece. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's happening over the 40 days is you're taking the pieces of your own puzzle and you're putting them together to form a different narrative about what happened and about what it means and about mm-hmm. what you're going to do about it going forward. That's good. Wow. Like that. And that's probably, would that be the next step? Transitioning is the T. Okay. okay. Transitioning from a state of negative intention and a state of, of uh, nurturing the narrative that's building in your mind to taking a godly perspective at, at rising above the situation 
and sitting next to God and looking down through his lenses to mm. see the situation. Okay. Mm. So it's yeah. really meaning making like this is going to make me different because I went through this, but this is maybe how I'll be better too through it. Right. And counseling, we call it reframing. Yeah. As you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have, you're helping yourself to reframe how you're looking at the situation. You're looking at the other person through a lens of empathy and compassion. And that's another thing that the behavioral sciences have shown us is that really the fulcrum at the core of of uh, forgiveness is empathy. And as Christians, we should be the most empathic people in the world, shouldn't we? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You would think. <laughs> yeah, but if we had to raise our hands and say, "Who's who's empathic in the room?" I wouldn't be raising my hand right away. Mm. That's a that's a challenge. It's hard for us. Oh, yes, yeah. it is. Absolutely. Why do you think it's hard? I think it's hard for us to get outside of ourselves and look at a situation from another point of view because we're, we're um, nurturing our own self-interest. Um, and we do that because we're interested in protecting our well-being. Mm-hmm. When we experience a transgression from somebody else, our mind perceives that as a threat to our well-being. And at first, our mind doesn't distinguish between big threats and little threats. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we experience that threat, we begin to develop feelings about it. Yeah. And those feelings turn into um, beliefs that our cherished ideas for how we should be treated have been violated. Mm. Yeah. And when that happens, it's pretty hard to look at something from another person's point of view because mm-hmm. we're thinking about it from the point of view of how do I protect myself in this situation? Mm-hmm. Or sometimes how do I protect other people from this evil person that treated me in this unjust way? Right. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important in this step and tell me if this comes in a later step, but to be empathetic or to be, you know, to, to put yourself in someone else's shoes and see it from a different perspective is not to justify what they did. Oh, absolutely not. Right. Forgiving someone does not mean accepting um, what they've done. And it doesn't mean that they're not accountable for what they did. Right. In fact, I deal with the issue head on in 40 days to forgiveness of a situation, which I'm sure you guys have run into, where a person is in an abusive relationship, an abusive marriage. Mm-hmm. And I've just been appalled that some pastors will tell the person, usually the wife, you have to go home and forgive and learn to live with it. And I just don't believe that. Right. There are so many examples in the Bible where God made a way for people to escape yeah. uh, danger. Even Christ, mm-hmm. when he was teaching in the synagogue, and the mobs formed around him, uh, found a way of escape. Mm-hmm. Right. So I believe that escaping doesn't absolve me of the need to forgive, but what it does do is it puts me into a mindset where it's okay for me to look out for my own safety, mm-hmm. but at the same time, 
letting go of the thoughts and the feelings of bitterness and negative intentions mm-hmm. that I'm feeling towards the person that's treated me unjustly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So transitioning and looking at it from a godly perspective doesn't mean that we're off the hook. God holds us accountable for our actions, mm-hmm. but he still loves us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's really good. So what would be the next step, the I, the fourth step? In- internalization. Okay. This is the step where a spiritual maturity comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I studied some different theologians' views on spiritual disciplines, I tried to narrow it down into the four common themes. And the themes I narrowed it down to are prayer, which is our vertical relationship with God, meditation, which is a horizontal relationship with God's works in the world, mm-hmm. uh, scripture study, which includes memorization of scripture and committing it to our mind, and fellowship, mm-hmm. where we can find encouragement and support. So mm-hmm. when we internalize uh, forgiveness, what we're doing is we're building the spirit of Christ inside of our own hearts. Mm-hmm. And in 40 Days to Forgiveness, I talk quite a bit about what the heart is mm-hmm. from a biblical perspective. But I also talk about strongholds. And yeah. a stronghold in ancient times was a fortification that was built around something precious to keep people out and to keep what's precious in. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing that we have in our heart that's precious is the image of God, yeah. the image of Christ. Forgiveness builds a wall around that mm-hmm. and prevents that spirit of Christ from coming out of us and being reflected to people around us. So one of the key themes in the forgiveness process is to live a life in such a way that the person that's transgressed you will see Christ through you Mm. because that's how God works. He works through us in the world. And in some cases that may be the only time that a transgressor experiences the love of Christ. That's good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. And that comes through internalization, building Mm -hmm. that spirit of Christ inside of our hearts through those four things that I named. Yeah. Yeah, spiritual maturity right there. So hard, mm-hmm. but also so beautiful when you, when it's like like I said that you know watching Corey Tim Boom talk mm-hmm. about that, it, it's so beautiful and moving to see someone with such pain and devastation in their life extend forgiveness to someone who was the perpetrator of it, mm-hmm. but. You know, and then it also makes me go, man, I need to do a better job at that, you know? (laughs) It's really good. So uh, as this is happening, is the person expected, and maybe this will come in the last couple of steps, you tell me, is the person expected to reconcile in the way, say, that Corey Ten Boom did, where she faced the person or the group and said, I'm sorry, "I I forgive you. Well, that was not reconciliation. Okay. Okay. Explain the difference. Well, we're not required to reconcile. In fact, the Bible makes a distinction between reconciliation and forgiveness. Okay. On his deathbed, Joseph told us, uh, Jacob told his sons to go and ask forgiveness of Joseph. 
Well, this was years after Joseph had already reconciled with him. Mm. So reconciliation is, is distinctive from forgiveness. Forgiveness mm -hmm. doesn't require that we have any interaction with the person that's transgressed us. So yeah. that's going to blow the minds of some people. Yeah. Because they think forgiveness is going to someone and saying, would you forgive me? Or maybe they had a father that abused them or an uncle that abused them and died. And now they feel like this big void of nothing never was fixed. You know, so you're saying that you could forgive without going to that person or can well, you talk some, about that? Yeah. In some cases you can't go to them. They're not around anymore. They've right. died or they've moved on or mm -hmm. you can't find them. Yeah. You can't find them. Um, mm -hmm. So to expect us to involve another person in forgiveness would be uh, a journey of futility in many cases. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Forgiveness is a gift we give ourselves. Mm. Yep. Yeah, that is good. Forgiveness is for you, even if they are not around. Well, I was going to say, what is the danger or how does it affect someone when they don't forgive? Well, in 40 Days of Forgiveness, I deal with that. Um, what it does is it is it chains us to that person because the story we have and the ruminations that we have don't stop. And as long as those things are going on in our mind, we're connected to that other person through, um, through an emotional bond. Um, Patrick Carnes talks about in, that in his book. Yeah. About how we get connected to people that we despise. Mm -hmm. Isn't it interesting that people unknowingly connect themselves to the very person they have not, they, they don't want anything to do with. Right. Exactly. But, but they're chained emotionally to that person until they do that Christ-like work and forgive. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Because the Christ-like work that we're doing puts us in a posture to see the other person through a Christ-like lens. Mm -hmm. Because what we're doing is we're forget when we're forgiving, in essence, we're treating the other person like Christ treats us. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I good. give him plenty of reasons not to forgive me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I think it, it, the, the Christ-like posture is able to really be shown because it's easy like like i think like jesus said right it's easy to love people that love us mm -hmm. it, it just calls a lot upon us or it makes us really have to rise to the occasion to love people who don't love us and to have, have done us wrong yeah that's when we're really called to mm -hmm. to step up We'll be right back to the interview, but first we wanted to share something that we are really excited about. So you know, we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations. And that's why we created the monthly live date night. 
And monthly live date night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes, 60 minutes. It, we focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick. And then 30 minutes, we do a Q&A and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy. And we share tools. Uh, we have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in. But we really want you to take action in your marriage too. So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details. All right, back to the interview. Yeah, when we're treated unjustly, unfairly, uh, when we're harmed in some way, it's we can't unexperience that. Mm-hmm. The only thing we can do is find a way to process it in our thinking. And as Christians, we've got a leg up on people that are not Christians because we have Christ's spirit to live in us to help us process what's happened to us in a different way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So oh, good. Yeah, so good. What is the next step? Uh, the oh. Step number five. Yeah. Oh, openness. Okay. Being open to letting the walls of the of the uh, strongholds down in your heart mm. and being open to letting the light of Christ shine out through us towards the person that has wronged us in some way. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a challenge because even though we've come this far in the 40-day process, we still have to be open to letting everything that we've done up to this point have an effect on us. If we're not open to letting it have an effect on us, then we can't move to the next step, which is next steps. Uh. The next step is to be able to sustain all the work that we've done over time. And there's no such thing as forgive and forget. Like I said a minute ago, when you've experienced a transgression, you can't unexperience it. Mm -hmm. And if you experience a transgression after you've forgiven that reminds you of what happened to you before, it can trigger all those same feelings to come forward again. Mm -hmm. So if we're not open to having our hearts in a place where we're reflecting the light of Christ through our life, it's easy for us to fall back into our old patterns of thinking whenever we get triggered mm-hmm. after we've done the hard work. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if people find themselves there, Ron, where they've they've gone through these steps and they've done a lot of hard work, but then they do get into some old patterns of thinking. Like, I thought I worked through 40 days of this. Yeah. What, what um, you know piece of wisdom would you give them? Well, what I've given them is a practical guide at the end of 40 Days of Forgiveness to lead them back in the book to the place that would be helpful to them based on what they're experiencing. Okay. I've I've taken all of the steps in 40 Days to Forgiveness, and I've created a worksheet that allows you to be able to pinpoint where you can go back and do some more work. Oh, that's great. And the way the book is written, it's written as a journal. Mm -hmm. And that's by design so that if you do get triggered and you need to go back in the book, you're going back to your own notes. You're going back to your own journal. Mm -hmm. You're going back and revisiting the growth that you did at that point in time. Uh, Mm. That's powerful. 
Wow, what a what a practical help, folks. So if you're lost in that, you know, abyss of I don't know what to do. I thought I forgave, but I guess I haven't forgiven. Um, you can take this very practical step that Dr. Ramsey has laid out and go back to your journaling that you've already done in those 40 days if you've already done the book. So that's do you, great. Do you find that a lot of people, um, especially with really heinous things that have, you know, big things that have happened, um, they go through not not just your steps, but go through forgiveness, but then like find a little peace, <laughs> you know, that, oh man, like I thought I was through this and they have to focus again on forgiving. Does that happen very often with people? Sure. Happens with me. It's happened yeah. with me. Mm. Uh, I've got a lot of forgiveness in my own life to work on. Just part of the reason why this journey has been so helpful for me. Mm. I could say I really wrote this book for me, but I'm sharing it with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah. So yeah, we we go back and we go back and forth. And mm -hmm. for depending on the type of infraction that we've experienced, that may never end. But the question is not whether or not we've totally forgiven. The question is, are we living in a state of emotional peace? Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, we need to create a new narrative about what happened and what it means. And that's really what the, the last chapter is about, is rewriting your narrative. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole series of worksheets that take you through rewriting a different narrative about what happened to you, about what it means to you, about how your heart can be warmed to that new narrative. And it's that new narrative that we hold on to that helps us to keep the course after we've forgiven. That's good. Because when those negative thoughts come back in and you notice that they're there, um, do you bring back that narrative? Hey, like I've forgiven, I've worked through this and this is how I'm different, you know, even though I don't approve of what's happened, I'm just thankful that, you know, God's brought me this far. Like you, you kind of rehash that new narrative. Is that something you would do? Yeah. In fact, you've, um, you've busted me. You've, you've, you've made me tell my secret of how I studied when I was in school. <laughs> I would go to a chapter in a book that I needed to read and I would start at the end. And I would read a little bit of the end and it would raise curiosity in my mind. Well, how did they get to that? And so then I would go backwards and read a little more. And I would read through a chapter backwards before I read through it forwards. <laughs> and forgiveness is kind of like that. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we have to work our way backwards through the journal journaling that we've done mm -hmm. in order to get back to the point where we really didn't totally resolve or work through uh, one of the aspects in the 40 days process. Mm, yeah. That's good. So Ron, uh, if somebody, you know, is hearing this and they say, you know, if I forgive, then I'm opening my, kind of the openness piece, yeah. right? I'm opening myself up 
for you know hurting it, re- hurting it being re-injured yeah i'm not gonna have my guard up so mm-hmm. i'm just gonna overlook it and i'm gonna get hurt again yeah what what would you tell that person well i would tell them that first of all that they haven't forgiven mm-hmm. and second of all i would tell them that if there's um if there's a chance that they could re-experience what's happened to them then that's not a safe person to be around yeah yep How about if had this happen to, you know, people that have been hurt in a marriage? Mm -hmm. So they, they did away with the person that hurt them, but there, but by holding on, I've had this happen Mm -hmm. by holding on to the unforgiveness piece. It's like they're holding, they're trying to control the outcome. Like, I don't want to make this mistake again. So yeah. It's going to keep me on my guard so I don't get another guy that's going to hurt me like this. And they keep their walls up with the next relationship. How would you go about helping people like that? Taking action. Hmm. You the It's not a simple process. There's no silver bullet that's going there's no olive steak that you can drive through the heart of unforgiveness that's going to make it go away. It takes time. And that's another thing that behavioral research has shown. They've, they've done uh, studies of short interventions and longer interventions. Okay. And what they found is that the shorter interventions, while the person may feel at the end of the intervention that they've forgiven, they're more likely to fall back into an old pattern once time elapses. Whereas mm-hmm. people that have gone through a longer intervention tend to sustain the feelings of forgiveness uh, even after they've been triggered in the future. Uh, so um, it takes a series of steps and it takes working through those steps one at a time, yeah. which is why 40 days of forgiveness is written the way that it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's written in bite-sized chunks and it's hard to really understand how that can be helpful until you immerse yourself in it and work your way through it. Mm -hmm. You know, just to thinking about who is actually, you know, more at risk, you know, the person that does take a realistic look at everything and themselves, you know, and really doing this hard work because seems like hurt people get hurt again a lot a lot of times so like doing this work to, to for healing and focusing on becoming a different person not staying the same but becoming a different person through this would that person be more at risk or the person that stays stuck in their hurt are, are they you know are they changing are they becoming the person that wouldn't be hurt again mm, yeah yeah you actually put yourself in a more vulnerable state it would seem by staying stagnant and not forgiving because you're putting yourself through a process that's changing you Mm -hmm. well except you're leaving one important piece out and that's the holy spirit Ah. that's right yeah when you work through the forgiveness process you're you're basically building the spirit of christ inside of you which is Mm -hmm. another way of saying that you're fanning the flames of the holy spirit that's good Mm -hmm. and we're told to forgive and we're told that god will be with us that we won't be tempted beyond what we can endure. So we have to trust that the Holy Spirit will help us as we go forward. 
Mm-hmm. Now, as you know, there are some people that just seem to draw uh, other negative people to themselves. Yeah. And that's a whole different issue. If, if, if a person is constantly feeling like they're being transgressed and, and that they're constantly feeling like they need to forgive other people, then that's a place where finding a good Christian counselor can be helpful because they're dealing, they're not dealing with forgiveness. They're like you said, Adam, they're dealing with their own self. Mm-hmm. And and why am I showing up this way in the world mm-hmm. such that I'm attracting people that are harming me? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Totally. Hear it, people. I, I love how your concept of 40 days to forgiveness encapsulates what we've preached for a long time, that time in and of itself doesn't heal, but action over time does. And this is exactly what you've laid out. It's action, it's over time. And like you said, the research shows that they're not going to spiral as much back into unforgiveness because they've taken action over time. Yeah, it's sort of like thinking about Christ in the wilderness for 40 days. If he just went out and bivouacked in the wilderness and didn't have any didn't have any encounters with Satan, would he have achieved the same result? Right. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a matter of taking 40 days. It's a matter of taking 40 days with an intentional perspective. Yes. Knowing what it is you're trying to do mm-hmm. and having a way to go about doing it. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so good. Thank you so much for this, uh, this, uh, you know, really this just opening the box of what forgiveness is. Yeah. And, and I know this is going to be such a huge help for a lot of people. Could you tell us where we could find the book and uh, maybe find more about you, like your resources? Well, Barnes and Noble and Amazon, of course, um, have the book. It can also be purchased on the publisher's website, but. Uh, it's a lot easier to purchase it from Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Okay. Awesome. And it's called and 40 Days to Forgiveness. A Christian's Field Guide to the Forgiveness Journey. There's okay. another book called 40 Days to Total Forgiveness, and that's not mine. Oh, gotcha. Don't, okay. Don't buy that one. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the title is 40 Days to Forgiveness, A Christian's Field Guide to the Forgiveness Journey. To the forgiveness journey. And then, okay. Then there's also a workbook. I took all of the worksheets that are in 40 Days to Forgiveness and I put them in another book all by themselves. Okay. So that if a person wanted to write all of their notes, do all their journaling in a separate book, it might make it easier for them to refer back at a later time. Mm. But it's also a little bit easier to write in than writing in a 500 page book. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. That's yeah. great. Good. Okay. So we will link both of those. It's 400 oh. pages. Oh, 400. <laughs> Is it really 400 pages? Amazon Amazon says it's 500, but it's not. It's 400. <laughs> well, it depends on how well, big, if it's a Kindle, how big yeah. it blows it up. And- okay. So oh, we point. will link both of those in the show notes so folks can go and grab your book and your workbook and really get started on this journey. Seriously, yeah. forgiveness will enrich your life it'll change mm-hmm. you i've I've seen people change and transform through forgiveness yes. it's amazing what it does yeah well when i was 
in my previous career, I worked in health and safety. And one of the things we did is we worked with leadership on a different way to manage health and safety. And what I used to say to them is it's going to affect how you lead in general, because you can't lead health and safety well, and then go not lead everything else well. Mm. All of the things that you practice leading one thing well are going to bleach over and affect how you manage other things. Mm. And I think it's the same way with forgiveness. When we work our way through this process and we work our way through the journal, it's going to enrich everything about our walk with Christ, mm. not just forgiveness. Yeah. So oh, beautiful. Well, Ron, uh, we're going to be closing out the episode and we're going to ask you the same question we ask all of our interviewees. And that is rewind back to your first couple years of marriage and think about the advice that you wish you would have received and fill in the blank, dear young married couple. Wow, that was 38 years ago. <laughs> 38 years. I don't know if I could think that far back. <laughs> well, one of the things that's been a big part of our relationship is learning to be forgiving to each other and showing each other grace. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Yeah. Because, we, because we all are protective of ourselves. We all have a certain amount of self-interest to protect our own well-being. And that includes protecting ourselves from our spouse because the people that are closest to us are the people who can hurt us the worst. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say that this topic has been a big part of, of our marriage. Um, Mm -hmm. In fact, I could have had my wife sitting here with us and she could have talked about all of this from her own perspective because it's been a big part of her life as well. Mm. Yeah. I don't think you get through life without having to forgive. Well, it's interesting you say that because there was never a person that I told about the book that I was writing during the seven years I was writing it who didn't say, I want a copy of your book when it's done. Mm. Not a single person, even persons that were not Christian. Yeah. And I would say to them, well, the book is really directed towards christians and they would say well i'm sure i'll get something out of it Mm, wow yeah because everyone has dealt with this concept and the need to be equipped to deal with it better it's a life fact you will deal with unforgiveness yeah yeah Uh, well thank you so much ron for your wisdom for your work this i'm i'm sure is going to be affecting and enriching a lot of people's lives yes Well, thank you for having me on your show. I enjoyed talking to you. All right, friends. We really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at Dear Young Married Couple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.